Welcome to the Music Plays the Band podcast. We're going to be sitting down with musicians, artists, band members, friends and family to talk about what drives them to create great music. Asking more than just the typical questions, who's inspired you or what music do you like, we're going to ask the why behind what motivates them to create great music. introduce uh, the person before because I didn't take a minute to get started. <laughs> All right, we're at Front Porch Fest on Saturday afternoon and I'm here uh, speaking with Billy Woods. Correct. And he's going to tell us about his uh, history with music and uh, what he's doing today. So if you could start off, just give us a little introduction. Well, I, I'm really uh, privileged to come here and uh, be invited to play at Front Porch Festival and they let me come and do the morning prayer, for lack of a better way to talk about that. I come and talk about peace and love and light and saving the world for our children and, and talking about the environment, but I try not to preach and I try not to sell. It's more about, let's imagine the world that we want to come. Don't complain and whine about the one that we have. Let's, let's Let's imagine the world that we want and make that one happen. Okay. And so I do that every morning here at Front Porch Festival, and I have Scott uh, and uh, Chris come and play with me, mm -hmm. and we talk about peace and love and light in the morning and play contemplative meditation to give us time to think about. That's what I'm doing now. But I also have the great privilege of being invited to play with, I'm going to play tomorrow night with Slick Jr. and the blues band, and I take my percussion rack, and they light up my world. Yeah, nice. And I'm playing with Scott and Chris in the, the Borrowed Earth band. We do a lot of, of music that we've written about, about saving the planet. Okay and working on the environment and giving real thought to this idea that we have borrowed the earth from our children. It's not ours, right. we borrow it from them. Yeah. And not only our children, but seven generations from now our right. children, in the way that the Lakota Sioux medicine man taught me when I studied with them in one of my incarnations yeah. my being. Well, and uh, this morning you guys covered a Cat Stevens song, correct? Which That's is correct. Which is fitting yeah. with the what message. We, yeah. That's exactly right. Sure. Well, let's go back uh, to the far reaches of your memory to see what is like your first memory that involves music. Well, you know, I started playing drums in 1955. Okay. And I started playing into nightclubs in 1957. And so I, I played six nights a week and went to high school. Wow. And the music was really different in, you know, because now we're, we're in 1959, 1960, 1961. And I went to work six nights a week just like the dishwasher. Mm -hmm. And they gave me a W-2 and I made $2 an hour. Playing drums? Playing drums. Wow. And I played in the same club for almost three years. 
and not all the same musicians in the band, but I got right. I was the drummer, the house drummer, and I played almost three years in a single nightclub. Wow. And, uh, um, what got you into playing drums in the first place? <laughs> well, I thought I thought it would be fun, and I thought maybe the girls would like it. Yeah. And guess what? You were right. They do. <laughs> <laughs> Was your family musical? No. No? Okay. And um, it was, I, you know, my family was pretty poor. Mm -hmm. And so the drums were one of the things that, you know, you could buy a pair of drumsticks and a drum pad for $8. Yeah. And then when you were in the band, you didn't have to buy drums. Right. Because they came with the band. And so trumpets and were all, all band instruments were expensive. And so that just seemed like the right place for me. Okay. And what is interesting in the way that the progression came was is that I met a bebop singer who played guitar. And I'm now, I'm 14. And he's guy. You, you play drums. I need a drummer, and uh, you can come. I'll give you a job. I'll give you ten dollars a job for every time we play. You get to ten bucks. Went, wow, ten bucks. Which is probably better than two dollars an hour. Um, it's about the same. Yeah. But uh, two dollars an hour. I mean, minimum wage was eighty-five cents or ninety cents. Oh, wow, I mean, okay. It was a long time ago. So here's the story I like to tell about the sign of the times. So. Went down to my local music store. I said, you know, I got a gig and I need some drums and, you know, and, and I don't know how to get it. And the, the Mr. Bringy from Bringy and Wilsey's music store said, tell you what I do. I got, I got a set of drums in the back. They're old, but they'll, you know, we'll give you a stand and a little cymbal and a foot pedal and uh, you'll be able to play. You give me 10 bucks and 10 bucks a week, 75 bucks, they're yours. No one signed for me. I went out the door with a $75 set of drums, $10 down, $10 a week. And the following no credit week, check, nothing like that. No credit check, no nothing. I'm 14, no one signed, no one cared. He just, here, you take this and go. Yeah. Was he familiar with you playing music at no. the club or anything? No, 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 no. Just, no. Just I just walked in off the street yeah. and went, I, I got this gig and I need drums. And, and you know, and before very long, uh, I was now playing with this bebop singer and going, dee da ba dee da ba doom da ba dee da ba doom you know, and that's all he needed or wanted. Yeah. Nice. What city was this in? It was in St. Petersburg, Florida. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah. So, um, I mean, it sounds like you just got started in a music career right away. Right away. Because yeah. <laughs> usually I ask, you know, was there a... Oh, man. Do you need another one real quick? I got one. Yeah. Alright, we'll pause for a second. <laughs> so, um, outside of playing in the clubs and with the bebop singer, what, what else were you doing? I mean, were you still in high school? Well, I played in the junior high school marching band and okay. I played in the high school marching band yeah you know and I played in the high school jazz band you know I, the thing that I find interesting was was 
I always could play. I don't know how to talk about it except that I always could play. You always had opportunities to uh, Not only that, but I all could always do the job. Okay. And in, in the beginning, you know, I, no, I was all self-taught and, you know, there, the music was simpler, you know, um, right. but in terms of reflecting about what the good drummers look like today and what I played like when in 1962, you know, I just barely could play. Yeah. But it was enough right. to go to work and provide the 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 what was needed. Yeah. You know, and and I worked with a I worked with jazz bands and I worked with organ players who kick pedals and duos and and or, uh, accordion players and polkas and waltzes <laughs> and you know there was a lot of different kinds of opportunities for a drummer to play lots of different kinds of music. Well, did you have formal training in different rhythms and tempos for different styles of music, or were you just no? I made it all listening up. Listening to it, and yeah. No, I made it all up. Okay. I don't even mean I learned it from someone. I mean I made it all up. <laughs> yeah. And somehow or other, that always worked. Right. And, um, and, and even in today's world, my number one skill is, is I'm an improvisational player. Wow. And uh, you know, after after all of these years, from that time to now, the great asset is is that I am a real journeyman player. Mm -hmm. You know, not master, not extraordinary, not star. Right. Solid journeyman player. Yeah. And uh, do you have any recordings from your gigs back in the '60s? I don't. No? Uh, that'd be pretty awesome. I don't. However, at billywoods.com, uh -huh. where, you know, where my .com is, there's a section about recordings, and all of the music that I played in the second time that I reinvented the drummer, because mm -hmm. I, I, found, I found Middle Eastern music, and and I found Middle Eastern drumming, and I found belly dance shows, yeah. and I had a second career, <laughs> which was what I did in the 80s and 90s. Was Well, let's go back just after high school. What happened after you graduated high school? Well, I you know, went to work as a drummer. Yeah. I played six nights a week, you know, with trios and quartets, and, and there was some, you know, there was some glitter and glitz and disco and jazz and rock and yeah uh, I and I, I I I met a lot of near famous people mm -hmm. who introduced me to famous people yeah so you know there are a lot of you know a lot of names and people we would recognize yeah. without me having to go into that where you know bass player went to play with the Allman Brothers and I played with him and yeah. you know in that that kind of stories mm -hmm. okay. uh, and I played with the you know with horn bands and jazz bands and yeah. rock bands but mostly you know I played as a dance band drummer with a trio or a quartet we worked six nights a week I made a hundred bucks a week yeah I made 150 bucks a week 
And I was on tour for a while a couple of times. And we meet on the bus and a yeah. new gig every other place for corporate. And, uh -huh. you know, it wasn't my favorite work. No? You prefer more of the, like, the looser side of the business? Well, but the part that I really like is you go to work in the same club for a year. Oh, you like that? You know, you, you know you're a house band drummer. Yeah. And, you know, you're playing, and the house band work's almost gone. And I, I think that we really suffer. Oh, really? For the loss of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know anywhere that has house bands, you know, in the music scene that I'm part of. You know, I have a few friends. I have a jazz piano player. You know, he has a jazz trio. They play five to eight, four nights a week in in the Houston area, five years. Yeah. So there's some house band work. Uh, and the concert scene, of course, is the deal. You know, but if you want to play concerts, you need to write your own material. Yeah. It's part of the, that, that I see as part of the key. Once I started writing all my own material, mm -hmm. you know, suddenly I'm playing on the concert stage. And, and when I started the recording and did that work, and then I had, I had, uh, um, I have about 10 albums from the Middle Eastern era. Okay, so tell us, that was uh, kind of 80s and 90s was the 80s Middle 80s and 90s. Yeah. How did you get into that? Uh, there was a woman involved. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, whatever you want to elaborate on. Uh, well, you know, you find a girlfriend. She's a Middle Eastern dancer. She, they find out I play drums. Was they she go, a belly dancer? Yeah. Okay. And they, they, then the community finds out I can play drums. And in, 19, in the early 80s, there weren't any musicians who played Middle Eastern music in the United States. They, there weren't any. Like, particularly Middle Eastern drummers. drummers. Yeah. And so, you know, I took a few classes and went to Egypt and studied a little while and came home and went, okay, I, you want to be the guy? I'll be the guy. Okay, I'll be the guy. Yeah. And I played uh, in the Society for Creative Anachronisms and I got involved with the pagan world who love their drummers. Mm -hmm. And I could play and so I started teaching. What's the connection between the pagan world and the drumming? They love to dance naked around the fire. <laughs> have you witnessed that personally? Uh, I have. <laughs> okay. I mean, I've still, uh, I still have four concerts every summer season in clothing optional environment. Really? We still do that. Is that in this area or kind of all over the country or the world or? Well, all over the country. Yeah. Okay. You know, all over the country. Yeah. Um, Sort of hesitant a little to talk about where, and no, yeah, but that yeah. that but that you know that's kind of fun uh -huh. in a way that that I would I would make this assumption when you play in a clothing optional environment uh, there's a great deal of freedom yeah well you have to set separate I'll say nudity from sexuality right. It's automatic. You can't make any assumptions. Yeah. And so 
And, and when you begin to see people who are not in their facade, we're naked. And we're 9 to 90 and blind, crippled, and crazy. It's a joke. But, you know, and there's a, a great deal of freedom that comes from being not only able to witness that, but being comfortable yeah. in an environment where, where human beings are just being human beings. Yeah. And there's not a facade that says, oh, we can't be this, or we have to be that, and if you do that, you're good, and if you do this, you're not good. And that, that whole thing re revolves around limitations of our personal mm -hmm. freedom and being at liberty with self. Okay. If you want to become a whole human being, you need to be pretty comfortable with self. Not right. to be preachy, but that's the way I see yeah. it. Well, so um, the experience with the Middle Eastern music, how did that kind of evolve into what you're doing today? Um, it was really pretty organic. I mean, the show that, that uh, the Peace is Possible suite that I wrote came about from my friend Fat Mandy, who is a jazz singer in Pittsburgh. Who's a wonderful person for your podcast coincidence? Oh yeah, um, she would. You would be delighted with her. She called me on the phone and said, "Billy, I got a call from the from the film director for Doctors Without Borders, and they want me to record some music to run credits over. Will you come and play with me?" Wow! And so I did that. And in the process, you know, of thinking about what they actually do, you know, the Doctors Without Borders go where it's not safe, and things are still blowing up things, and the right. reason they're there is because folks need that help. And so it began, I began to truly think about the peace process. Okay. And, and I, as a human being, have always been in that peace process. process. You know, I, I, I came from the 60s, mm -hmm. so there was the Vietnam War, and there was Martin Luther King, and then there was the women's movement, and then there was animal rights, and then there was sexual orientation, and that all of those things that arrived at becoming person who values human rights, right? that as a, as a human we have certain inalienable rights to be free from persecution from others. Mm -hmm. and there are limitations to where we might want to steer that. But you know, if you're not harming someone else, I, I, wanna, I want people to understand that if we use the law of attraction, to bring people to our perspective and point of view, as long as you're holding up a sign that says, Joy lives here, come, come play with me. Mm -hmm. The people who come can come. As soon as you hold up a sign that says, if you don't come and do what I want you to, I'm going to kill you. This is not okay with me. Right. And I use that as an example to, to sort of indicate the law of attraction and the law of persecution. And if you stand for human rights as a human, and I would sort of state my case, when 10% of a population are of the, sum, the same agreement, they now inherit 
minority rights and are not to be persecuted by the 30% who live over there. We can say that. Right. You know. And it, it takes me to this place, so I should, should sort of make a reflection. It's not about the music career I had, but I'm an ordained Taoist priest. Okay. And I am one of 14 men and women who are ordained in a, uh, a sect of Taoism that has 1,300 years of written history. What's the, just real quick, basic tenets of Taoism? Uh, well, it comes from the Tao Te Ching, which is it's a philosophical discipline as opposed to a religious discipline. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the easiest places is, is that I get to honor all of the religions because I get to I don't worship any of them, right? Because I, I'm, it makes me a little agnostic because I never testify that I know what is or isn't. As far as being dogmatic about right. something, I have no dogma about about okay. religion at all. Right, I mean, I'm very pragmatic as a human being. You know, like okay, we have now you and I have this five five or fifteen minutes, and and what twenty minutes ago that's gone, right, and forever. And twenty minutes from now, I hear yet. So I have no idea where <laughs> I'll be when we're done right. with this interview or this yeah. podcast thing that we're doing. Well, um, did you get directly involved in like the peace movement as far as like at protests or um, anything like that? Or was music your involvement? Well, I, I would talk about this. When I was 14, I had a job at the, at the movie theater. And because of when it was, I stood at the door. I mean, that was in the early 60s? In the early 60s. Okay. Yeah, the, the, in 1960, 59 or 60. Okay. So I stood at the door, and it was my job to take tickets. And when, the, when a person, a white person came up with a colored person, and I had to tell the white person I could take their ticket and they could come in, and I had to tell the person of color that I couldn't take their ticket and they couldn't come in. It felt wrong to me. And on that day, I fell into the counterculture. Oh, yeah? Man. I mean, it's yeah, a that's... crossroads event right. for a 14-year-old. I'm sure that was... I mean, that's even eye-opening just to hear that it was actually like that at some point, which I know it was, but, man, it's just amazing. And, and uh, um, so... You know, I began to, the counterculture swept me up and it took me into protesting the Vietnam War. And I would say this out loud, the only thing that I have any regrets about what I did during the Vietnam era was is that I wish I had learned sooner to hate the game and love the player. Oh yeah. Because all those men that went to war, I didn't understand that I sent them. Well, how do you mean that? As I'm you? a citizen of my country. What my country does, I do. Whether I approve or not. They do it in my name, even when I hold a sign that says, please don't do that. Please don't do that. They still, I'm still responsible. Yeah. You know, and as an as a elder and an older person now, I get it. 
you know, when, when the men and women coming back from, like coming back from Iraq, we, we have to take care of them. Right. Period. Yeah. We sent them. Me and you and you and you and you and you. We sent them. Right. And everybody who's watching out there, I'm going to tell you, you sent those men and women into harm's way. Well, so if you are taking... Wrap it up. Okay. All right. So um, what, what are you doing with music right now? Well, I'm doing my Peace and Love and Light program, and uh -huh. you know, and you will come and witness tomorrow. Yeah, we'll get some video and of get that. some video of that. And I feel really grateful that I'm allowed to do that work uh -huh. to talk about peace and love and light and saving the world. You can tell from my dialogue. I've been doing it a long, long, long time. Yeah. And saving the planet for humankind is really important to me. I will leave you with this thought. The reason I do it is because I love my great-grandchildren who are already alive. And if I don't work hard to keep the planet fit for humankind to live on, I will have begun to, to live in the time of the sixth extinction. And that extinction is human. Well, one last question. What do you think is the best thing an individual can do today to work towards peace and work against just the things that create division and unrest? You believe it's all possible. Believe that we can save the planet. Believe that peace is possible. Believe that we can love one another. Believe that it's possible. When enough of us believe that a thing is possible, it becomes possible. All right. Well, we'll sign off with that. Thank you. Thank you, Billy. Appreciate You're welcome. It. Hey, thank you for listening. I'm super excited to share these interviews with you, and I'd really appreciate you subscribing and leaving me a review five stars preferably but i'll take any feedback you've got and uh, stay tuned we've got lots more exciting interviews coming your way